cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't wanna see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Hungo. Andrew on the board at a much warmer day. Um, Andrew didn't look like his brain was frozen when I picked him up this morning. Uh, unlike the last week, S&P futures up 18. The S&P is up 78. We're going to try it out for the third day this week. We've been up every single morning when I start the show, and by the time the show's over, we've been down. So maybe today will be a charm, because Lou's on. Lou, how are you, buddy? Accused of being charming. Yeah. And um, I am I am fine. We have about, uh, looks about like nine or ten inches of snow out here on the ground in Denver this morning. In Denver, wow. What Are, are the, are the uh, resorts getting pummeled, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was supposed to be a... As of two days ago, this was supposed to be a minor snow event here, two to two to three inches. Um, we put a, you know, it, it it just gives an indication of how fast things move here. At at three o'clock in the afternoon yesterday afternoon, the National Weather Service goes, "Okay, winter storm watch," and we're bumping it up to three to six, and then three hours later, winter storm warning, and uh, we're going above six. So. I looked out this morning at about uh, about eight or nine inches, maybe on the ground, and probably a little bit more to come. So, if we got that, that's probably I think that means the Breck and Frisco and Dillon got uh, got maybe ten to fifteen, and then maybe as much as two feet down by Telluride in the southwest corner of the state. Maybe we're going to uh, actually get a little water in Lake Mead this year. What do you think? Um. I mean, the snowfalls have been a lot steadier than they were last year, and I'm, I'm hoping that'll be the case. Um, if we get, uh, we get a, a, you know, if this pace keeps up, we'll uh, we'll have excess water, so that'll that'll be good. Well, you know, back in the uh, <clears throat> the day before AIDS and so forth, when let's say people were a little more uh, adventurous, um, one of my, my old old girlfriend lived in Clark and Division, right near. I mean, the, the movie about last night was exactly what was going on. Everybody like pretty much spread out every night and tried to tried to find somebody, if you know what I mean. And the uh, the line from one of her girlfriends was, uh, uh, "Snowfall is a lot like sex. You can fill in the rest, Lou." Uh, <laughs> you know what the punchline is? I'm afraid to ask. You don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know how many inches you're going to get. Oh my God! You know, women, women are so focused on, you know, the ephemeral stuff. God. This, um, was, this was how many years ago? But uh, anyway, the uh, hey, I was uh, I have a question for you um, sure. regarding. Uh, I've got an article here from uh, FTX. Okay, now these guys. It looks like they made two hundred million dollar venture investments in the last not very long. I don't. Know, I'm sure if I read the whole article, tell me how long in it. Evidently got the uh, uh, SEC's attention before any of this other stuff happened. Uh, my question to you is, because uh, these guys have declared bankruptcy, if if I just happen to be like a burglar, 
and wander into the Lou establishment and pull open the top drawer of the dresser and find like a huge stack of cash like I'm sure is in all your drawers uh, and I grab like 50 grand and I give tomorrow I, I'm magnanimous and I give 20 grand to Andrew I don't know why I'd do that but suppose I did is that immediately now does Andrew have to cough that back up when I'm caught uh, generally yes I mean I mean it, it so, so you get into some interesting discussions here. That's why I'm asking. That's why I'm asking you whether, you know, Andrew's an innocent third, you know, innocent party recipient of this stuff, and and if Andrew's already, you know, already spent the money. Um, but but typically, yeah, you would follow that money. So, you know, I was thinking about that. You really would raise that issue. I was just thinking about that. Um, Yesterday, when I when I read the account that it, uh, Friedman Banker or whatever his name is is about to plead guilty, and I thought, well, that's convenient because that will cut off. You know, I mean, he'll be in jail. That'll cut off Congress's ability to get to him. The, the fact that he was charged, um, you know, immediately before he was supposed to go to, into Congress to talk, which would have allowed the congressional people to have really burrowed down into exactly what, who he gave this money to and under what circumstances, because a lot of it is to, to the... The majority of his political contributions were to Democrats, I think. But but it... But he, you know, maybe, not, maybe it was balanced. No, it was, but, he was... If I had to guess, Lou, I'd say 70-30, maybe 75-25, but both sides no. got a sprinkling. yeah. But I mean, I mean, predominantly Democratic, but there was probably, if he was smart, and he seems to have been pretty savvy, he threw enough money at the Republicans to entangle them in the fact that, that they were using this, this Ill, these ill-gotten gains. And so it, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if there was some fairly high-level high pressure on the DOJ to, uh, to, to arrest him, charge him, before he could get in front of a congressional committee where people didn't have the, the right playbook and, and wouldn't ask the, uh, would refrain from asking the, the hard questions about, okay, when you gave this, when did you give this money to whomever? And, and I think, you know, which, which, I mean, clearly could have gone toward, you, you, get, you guys are going to have to give it up now because you, you knew or should have known at the time these donations came in that this guy was playing fast and loose. Well, I, so, uh, as you know, but a quick aside, not to interrupt, but I always interrupt for God's sake. Try to stop. That's my new thing next year, not so much to interrupt, but uh, our, our lady, uh, our lady. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Our, our friend, uh, Karen Reeves, who was running for Bobby Rush's spot. I don't know if you recall that. She was on a couple times. Terrific lady. Yes. Well, now, I, I, would, I would love for somebody to ask Jesse Jackson's kid, what the hell you promised this guy for your million and a half bucks? Because I think that that million and a half gave this guy the election. Because it was a, for God's sake, a fifteen or eighteen person race. All of a sudden, this guy—not to mention he had the name—but he also had some commercials the last week or two to to pop the name out there. You know, and uh, I most people think—I mean, certainly uh, uh, Eric's uh, girlfriend who was running for alderman thinks that that you know either she or the person who came in right neck and neck with her would have won, not him. I want to know. I want to know. Hey, Jesse Jr., what the what the bleep did these people? Did you promise these people for a million and a half bucks? 
But in all, like you say, all these questions, if he's in jail, are going to go unanswered or not asked, right? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it makes it it makes it almost impossible for the congressional people to to subpoena him. And he's been, you know, once he's convicted um, on, on a guilty plea, you know, double jeopardy the double jeopardy bar applies, and he can he can refuse to answer. He can whatever. What are you going to do to me? So that means, what does that do for the bankruptcy clawback? Anything? I mean, does that affect anything? Um, well, that that's the question. I mean, if he if he can now he can conveniently refuse to testify, or he can conveniently um, sort of skate away from from these this is these kinds of inquiries, then um, the the odds for a clawback go way down because the 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 essence of a clawback. Or, or one of the crucial elements of a clawback move on something like this is: Did you know? Did the recipient know that the money was was tainted? If in fact they knew that, then or should have known that, or it looked like they knew that, then the SEC or whomever DOJ has a much better case going back and saying you you need to you need to give the money back. If if it doesn't look that way, then. Uh, then, then there's no there's no issue. I I think it's, I think there's there's too much convenient stuff happening right now. This guy was too big a donor to the Democrats. There are too many potential skeletons sitting out there with respect to the money that he dumped into the elections in in 2022. Um, that I think I, I I think nobody wants that out there. Well, you know, you and I have this. Uh uh, you and I, and maybe <coughs> Mr. Flanagan and I, and I'm not so sure about Kevin. He's a uh, he's uh, a little more middle than you other two guys. Uh, I don't. In, in coming from Chicago, okay, I have this absolute disagreement with you guys, and that if somebody's in business, they give money to the person who they think is going to win because they're going to have to play with them for the next four years. As, people who give who gave Richard Daly money didn't make them Democrats. People that give this lady, the, the current mayor, Lori, money, they give it to her because they think she might win and they have to play with her. It has nothing to do with what party she is. So I think a lot of this, I don't, I don't know. Since you, forget, I don't, you forget that this kid's, I, I, I might tend to agree with you, except that this kid's mo- mother was a major Democratic fundraiser okay. And fund Bundler. She was tied up heavily and directly into the Democratic National Committee and what races they were funding and what races they were going for. And and so I don't have any qualms whatsoever uh, making uh, connecting that particular dot with. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of with you on this one. To be honest with you, I, I can't. I can't really disagree with you on this one. But in gen- but he also. Sent some around the Republicans just in case. <laughs> Two but, years from now, they might win. So, but but that, I, I, I mean, th- there's nothing. If I was going to obviously try to throw megabucks at the Democrats on something like this, it would behoove me. As there, there's a word I shouldn't be using at this hour of the day. It would behoove me to try to muddy the water a little bit by throwing a small amount relatively toward the Republicans just to say look I'm even handed and of course the press eats that up well you don't want 
if if PTI Securities was was Mayor Brown or somebody, um, there's no way on earth that I want to. Uh, <clears throat> even if I felt this way, which I don't, if I uh, I'm not going to pour every single nickel into Joe Biden and Dick Durbin and these kinds of people because two years from now we could get a Republican president, Republican Senate, Repu- and I don't know, I'm not predicting this, Republican Senate, Republican House, and all of a sudden I've never given a dime to those guys and now they're in power. I've been, you, you, can't, you can't put yourself in that position as I, a business I, person. I agree. And, and, but, but if you look at these donations, they, they make even less sense in what was widely believed to be happening or widely believed to happen in that election. If, if in fact, this guy was betting on, on a political influence, his donation could have gone to the Republicans because everybody in their dog suspected a Republican red wave. Yeah. Well, I bet he did. But I mean, you know what's funny? Uh, Lou, everybody talks about this boy. Talk about an argument you're never going to win, especially with younger people. Sorry, Andrew. Is the idea that the news today basically sucks? You can say, "Oh man, I get the internet." Well, it's 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 easy for you to get what's available. You don't have to get off your dead ass and go to the library and get it. That part I I understand. You don't have to buy a magazine. It's it's pretty much right there. But what's right there? Is is minuscule compared to what used to be available, in my opinion, because there's half as many reporters, and all, and, all, and the big newspapers are owned by other people who don't really want the newspapers being newspapers. I mean, I, in some way, I mean, I don't think the Washington Post is anywhere near as good as it used to be. I mean, it, I don't know about the Wall Street Journal, but what I'm saying, Lou, is that uh, why isn't why doesn't somebody, be it the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, the Tribune, the Daily News back in the day before they before they they went poof. Why doesn't somebody, because this stuff seems to be available someplace, and I, I mean, I, I don't have the resources to get it, why doesn't somebody put a big list of who this bleep gave all this money to, University of California, the, the Miami Center, wherever the hell, football, the basketball center, uh, this, we gave some to Dick Durbin, uh, some to Jesse, and just and call every single one of them and say, okay, what did you do with this money, and by the way, you're giving it back. And just say, called, wouldn't answer the phone, wouldn't call back, or this is what they did, gave it to charity, gave it back, or used it to, you know, to buy a new car. I mean, wh- why, isn't that, why isn't that journalism's job at this point? Why are we waiting for the Congress to have some kind of a powwow that they're not going to be able to have? I mean, wh- why isn't this just, by just exposure? Just like this. Part of it, is, uh, so, so I'm going to give you an, an, an analogous situation. God, I shouldn't be using words like this at this hour of the day. But you're an attorney. You're supposed to be the one who's using words like that. Why, uh, why do I people mean, pay eight hundred dollars an hour? Here. They don't only pay eight hundred dollars an hour to say D's and Dems and Does like me. <laughs> All right. Here in Denver, when when the COVID vaccine mandate started, there was a conference at which my my bride spoke concerning impact of COVID vaccine mandates on plan, on, and, and on employer-employee relationships and, and whether employees could push back using legal means, and specifically what statutory means they could use to challenge COVID vaccine mandates. This was all laid out in this conference. I, I gave some input concerning through, through the obvious channel saying, here's where I think the problems are in the mandates, here's where I think the statutory issues are, and I expected a wave of lawsuits 
coming out against the mandates as they were enacted by employers. This is not rocket science. I'm not a rocket scientist. You know how many suits get filed? Right, none. Virtually none. You know why? Because every one of the major plaintiff's firms in Denver and in Washington, D.C., and in New York, and in a bunch of other places, are all Democrat-dominated firms. I had the, the head of litigation for one of the, of the law firms that deals with all the federal employee stuff. And I asked, I asked her, what, why, are, why are you guys not just suing the pants off the federal government on these things? And she said, well, our social duty is to support the vaccine mandates. And I almost fell over. But that really is, is a thing. There are a bunch of firms that will not challenge a Democrat administration program out of political loyalty or out of morality or whatever they... Anyway, they're, because their values are aligned. And, and this is what you see within the press. You are not going to see the kind of investigative journalism that you would expect to see after, like, like the savings and loans cra- loan crash or something like that, or Enron, you're not going to see it as long as there is a potential political risk to the recipients, who are, for the most part, as we, at least we believe, Democrat. I don't... Uh, the newspapers aren't going to run those stories. They're no, not going to do that investigative journalism. The only, the only some, right-wing, some right-wing group might, but... but you know the heavy hitters are not are just not going to run with that, or if they are, the coverage is going to be badly slanted. I uh, I don't think. Uh, first of all, as you know, I probably am almost further down that road in change of behavior, in uh, in how we're becoming George Orwellian. I don't think it's one party versus the other, though. Though I don't somehow or another. In the education, in the in the seeds of our mentality, we've sort of changed. It's, it's very very easy. It's almost like uh, you know Nazi Germany push it down through society. You know, you you especially since we've let these companies get so big that they want to become part of the government because they're 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 basically sucking on the government's boob. In 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 many in many cases, they effectively are. Yeah, they effectively are and. I don't know necessarily. What you see with Twitter and these Twitter revelations and the Facebook re- uh, Facebook revelations and the other social media accounts, this is why you see um, the, the kind of handing the love interaction with the intelligence agencies and others um, on on suppressing suppressing news. I see, mean, I, I, uh, I, I'm much more. I don't think actually I don't know that because we haven't had a chance to have a cup of coffee in a long time. I don't know that I'm further down the road on this mentality. Right now, it happens to be, and I'm not going to disagree with you, it happens to, to, to be the current wind out of Vichy, as they said in Casablanca. But these same people, if the next guy is a madman with a, with a little mustache, they're going to follow him too. Because he's going to be, they're going to follow who's ever there. We better hope that <clears throat> it's only goofy Democrats and not somebody else. Well, it, it, I mean, I mean, if you look at the, the decisions that are being made, for example, in educational facilities, well, that's, all what, over that's the, what I'm saying, yeah, from colleges through high schools down to junior highs and elementary schools, that are allowing 
some of the craziest stuff that, as far as you and I would, would be concerned, some of the craziest stuff we've ever seen in our lives. We we look at declining test scores. We look at, at the, the, the clearly lower educational standards that that exist. The the lack of civic culture uh, within within our our young people, the, the, the pop, our population of young people, and you know, we go back to our educators and say, what are you spending time on? And what you get is this toxic stew of critical race theory, which which then merges with critical gender theory. And and you you ask these people, why are you wasting time on this when when your students can't read at grade level, they can't do math at grade level, they are totally ignorant of how American government works. Why why are you wasting time on this other stuff? And and the answer is because it's ideologically consistent. Well, I, I would say this. I, I don't talk that much to people from out of the country, but sometimes I do. And it, the, if you get somebody with a high school education in Britain, it's no comparison between here. I'm not talking about the kids that are going to go to Stanford and so forth. But even then, if you give them a, a civics test or maybe even a language test, uh, you got a problem. I mean, I, I don't... My, my parents, my, my mother and her brothers... Well, she finished high school. Her brothers didn't. I would, I would put them up right now today for anybody who finished high school in terms of civic knowledge, being able to add and subtract, being able to talk, being able to write. I don't think there's any comparison, Lou. And this is this is 80 years ago. So, for so, sake. so the story that I that I was telling when I was in Chicago, um, and I, I I didn't run this test in Denver because, frankly, I it, it was it, it embarrassed the the person that. That I interacted with, but I, 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 one of the people I worked with was a. I think she was in the top three in her law school class at uh, uh, DePaul, and you know, I mean, not not a top tier law school. It's not like being in Chicago or Northwestern, but but she was, you know, she was up there. She was somebody that that any firm would have hired, you know, in terms of just, just overall. You know, intellectual ability. She, she, and she'd been at the top of her class. She went to uh, Miami of Ohio. She'd been at the top of her class there. And, and we were sitting in, in my office. And, and I don't know how I came up because I was demonstrating a voice recognition technology for her. And, and I said, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent and a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. All right. The computer prints this out. And I looked at her and I said, and she had this kind of blank look in her face <clears throat> that, that I had recited something like that. And I said, do you know what that's from? And she said, it's famous, I know that. And I I almost fell over. And I, I, I looked at her and I said, okay, you're in Chicago. You're in Illinois, all right? That's, that's the Gettysburg Address. The opening words of the Gettysburg Address. By one of our, by, by arguably our, our greatest, if not one of our greatest presidents, Lincoln. And I said, just out of curiosity, do you have any idea when that was delivered? And she said, no. And I said, during the Civil War, you know when that was? And she said, was that after World War One? And I went, no. Okay. I, I, so now, to this young person's credit. And I, I, I looked at her like, I said, you you, you got to do better. And I, and I said, let me just tell you how this works. 
<clears throat> because I'm a partner and I have these kinds of cultural references, I'm going to make these kinds of references to you. If you don't understand them, you and I are going to have problems communicating. Or you better find out pretty quick. Well, well, I just said, you're, we're going to have problems communicating, just so you know. And I left it at that. To her credit, I went into her office two weeks later to get what we were talking over some, some case. And on her desk, open and sort of dog-eared, the first part of it anyway, was American History for Dummies. <laughs> yeah. And, and she, I said, are you working your way through this? She goes, yeah. She goes, you, you embarrassed me. And I said, I'm sorry I embarrassed you, but it, you ought to be embarrassed to be an attorney in Chicago, Illinois, and not know the opening words to the Gettysburg Address. Well, I will have to admit that I went to the Lincoln Memorial, and I uh, read the second inauguration speech, and I know I had read it as a kid, but that's something you could read every month. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean I mean my my point is that none of this stuff is being is being pushed or very little of it's being pushed in our in our schools. I, I think I told you I used to teach it uh, at, at the Air Force Academy. I would go in as an adjunct faculty member and and teach in their in their law uh, curriculum. And I, I remember you know briefly just talking to you know a couple of the cadets. And, and I, I said, who can give me the date of the Emancipation Proclamation? And, you know, a couple of them raised their hands, and they were within two or three years of it. But, the, you know, if, if the movie Lincoln had not come out, yeah. and they, they had seen that, they would, they would, have, had no, they would have had no idea. Um, and, and so... Speaking of which, I know... Uh, what, what, what's happening... What's happening is the coming down of our population with respect to these these crucial civic yeah. American civic and American cultural um, values and, and nuggets of information in favor of this ideological base? Well, I don't. I don't, I don't think that. History. You know what, Lou? I don't think it's in favor of the other stuff. I think it's in favor of just not teaching. They don't do anything. They don't teach these. Well, kids. well, uh, you, yeah. In, in, in Chicago, in Chicago, I, I, you've got a pretty good. It's, a, it's absolute, All right, we got to go to break here, but SP Futures up fifteen fifty. We're hanging in there so far. As if he's up sixty one. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, 
Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom on the board. Mr. Lou Michaels with us from uh, snowy Colorado. SP futures up 16. NASDAQ futures up 64. We're hoping that we can stay there and have a couple of... A couple of decent days here. Maybe we can have some thought about positivity for the positivity for the new uh, new year. Dow futures up 86. I don't see anything in the Dow. Everything in the Dow was down. I think every single stack was down yesterday. Maybe in healthcare, somebody was up like two cents. But it was a, yesterday was just a red wave of, of ugh. well, I might as well say what it was. It was the Dow was down 365. S&P is down 46. This is after being up 20 when we came in in the morning. So a 60 point run down 65. Nasdaq down 139. We had Apple at a, a huge new low. We had all kinds of stuff. There was no no good news yesterday. When Asia, this morning we got the Nikkei down 246. That's a full percent. Hang Seng down 157. That's 0.8 percent, but still 19,741. We had Shanghai down 14.4 percent. As the Chinese have now decided to get rid of the zero COVID policy on the day where they got like record COVID. So I, I, the timing there. We'll have to ask Lou about that when we come back here. DAX up 26, 0.2%. Uh, FTSE down 10.1%. Kekaron up 5, call that flat. So nothing going on over in Europe. Uh, bonds, 10-year unchanged at 3.88. It was up yesterday. Uh, the Bund, unchanged at 2.51, but it was over 2.5. We made it yesterday. Uh, Japan, 0.46. So again, very much to the upper range of where they're allowed. Uh, they, the government, is allowing that to, to float. We've got oil, down buck 13, 77.83. Not sure where the guys are at all. Oh, man, as soon as China reopens, it's going to be 120. Well, it's going the other way. Uh, Brent down 96 cents, 82.30. Natural gas up 3 cents, 471. 
which is, puts it where it was at the beginning of the year. So it kind of makes you wonder why exactly was gas bills have damn near doubled, but uh, evidently. Arbob down three cents, two thirty-two. We've got gold, which got whacked yesterday uh, a little bit, it's a little bit today too, down a dollar ninety, but still eighteen thirty above eighteen hundred. Uh, silver up twenty-three cents, twenty-four back up over twenty-four bucks at twenty-four oh seven. Copper down two cents, three eighty-one. Bitcoin up six fifty-eight, right in the middle of this sixteen thousand five ninety-eight, kind of in no man's land there. And we have the U.S. dollar is uh, slightly down versus the euro, and slightly down versus the pound. Uh, maybe 0.3% on the euro, slightly on the pound, so not much going on there. All of a sudden, the dollar, after being all over the place, 2% moves a day is just locked into this roughly 106 on the euro and 120 on the pound. We've been there for a couple of weeks. Andrew, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports, not much traffic. Yeah, yeah, I can agree on that. It is uh, 6.38 here in Chicago. And uh, starting off with sports, uh, tonight the Cowboys are going to be playing the Titans at 7.15. And uh, last night, the Suns lost to the Wizards, end of the game 127 to 102. But the Bulls won over the Bucks, ending 119 to 113. Tonight, we can look forward to the Blackhawks playing the Blues at 7 no, p.m. No, we can't. They're the worst team in, in all hockey. Well, we we can hope. We yes. can hope for one day. <laughs> I mean, that'll be at 7 p.m. They couldn't get the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost on that team and make them any good. <laughs> well, maybe the Coyotes over in Phoenix will fare a little better. Uh, they're going to be playing the Maple Leafs uh, at 8 p.m. Chicago time. Uh, now over to weather. Uh, for Chicago weather, it is currently cloudy, uh, but a lot better than what it was just a couple days ago. Uh, we're at 45 degrees. We're going to have a high of 53. Over in Phoenix, the weather's looking clear. Uh, currently at 47 degrees with a high of 61. And now finally for traffic, yep, the expressways are nearly all clear. Uh, only thing of note is that exactly in the heart of the loop, uh, Taylor Street between Dan Ryan and Jefferson Street is closed due to an accident involving a semi-truck. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Lou, who was it uh, years and years ago when you and I were young? Somebody said, so do you think you need like three players? And the coach said, yeah, who, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Was that, who was that? Was that football or baseball? Um... That sounds like something Lou Holtz would say, but I think that I think that's right. I think it was football. Yeah, it was. Yeah, who are the three players? <laughs> um, hey, I got a. But, but I mean, I mean, I used to have a great, I used to have a great book, and I don't, I don't think it survived my move out here called Sports Wit, which was just one page after another of funny, funny quotes by people. And if, if you can ever find that book, buy it because it is it will you'll you'll. But if you're ever feeling bad, just pull it off itself, open it up, and start reading some of the stuff that these guys said because there's just a lot of funny, funny stuff in there. Well, you know, we're kind of concluding another year of Stocks and Jacks, a good year. Uh, and I think one of the themes that I, I always have had since the start of the show. And we'll oh, I, I thought, I, before you track on this, I thought you were going to ask me about the Southwest situation. Uh, I am in a minute, but I got, okay. but I got another one. Uh, Another one first. The Southwest, and I also want to talk about this kid from Iowa who all of a sudden went to Alabama at the last minute that Matty was talking about. Uh, any, anywho, I, uh, there just was a thing here in Chicago where some judges overturned this no-cash no bail thing, or at least for a while, declared it unconstitutional, which, by the way, it is. And just uh, Certainly, I'm a, I don't mean, I'm no constitutional lawyer, certainly not Illinois Constitution, but somewhere buried in there is something that says you're only supposed to have one, one subject, one bill. And, of course, this thing... Looks like looks like a bill that the federal government would. So, just on that, I mean, I think it's it has a problem. Now, whether that's enough to overturn that, I, I, it's not my question. But I was uh, out with some of my uh, 
uh, shall we say, learned attorney and judge friends last night, and uh, and we were talking about this cash bail thing. And you know, although it's, you know, everybody said, why the hell am I wandering off on this subject? It, it is a testament to our our lawmakers and how they do one thing after another, and they absolutely do not do not complement each other. They they fight with each other in terms of, and, and you see, I see it in the financial stuff all the time. You know where we do stuff and it favors this firm, but then it makes it, it's such that where the, where, the, where the person doesn't really get any kind of right out of it that somebody else does. And it's constant a question of favors. If we pass one thing after another and they don't match up. And last night what I garnered out of this conversation, for those that don't know, uh, Illinois is, is attempting to have a no-cash bail deal. So the, the idea is that people who are poor read black or, or Hispanic, get into jail, and they don't have the parents to bail them out. So they're stuck in there. Uh, waiting for trial, uh, and they can't. Or if there was cash, if uh, there was no cash bail, they'd be let out because all of a sudden they become less harmful to society or potentially harmful, which is total BS. So my my guys tell me that it's it's liable to have somewhat of the opposite effect that, that you're going to keep people in jail that probably shouldn't be kept, rather than the other way around. So, so, but the other thing is, I didn't realize. Uh, uh, Lou, and I, I mean, uh, maybe you would, but that Illinois has some of the the, the, the harshest gun laws in the country. Or if, oh, you, yeah. if, if you do a if you do a uh, uh, a robbery with a gun, it's like twenty years or fifteen years or something minimum. And if if the gun goes off, and I'm not even if you shoot anybody, it's like forty or thirty. I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable. So one of the guys who was there, I was there with one guy who was a, a Essentially, a chief judge, not the chief judge. Well, it's it's, uh, it's not it's not Illinois so much as it is Chicago, but, but well, yes. No, but I'm saying that no, no, those are those are state laws. And uh, but the, so the point being is is you don't have any kind of cash bail if that's if that goes through. So the the minimum time. So the the bail the bail hearing now essentially becomes whether it's going to be a year and a half sentence for somebody, whether they're out or not. And and the last thing you want to do now is be the judge that lets somebody out and like kill somebody while he's out. So, more but you got but you're letting judge your judges are letting people out all the time. No, to do that. Actually, no, they're not. That's it, no, they're they're letting them out on these bails. But my just come let me finish here. But now, the other point is there's like there's like but no aside. But there's no. I'm aware of at least fifty cases where a guy who was arrested for a serious crime of violence with a firearm was released to go out and either murder or almost okay. murder somebody. Right. At least 50 of those what in I'm, the last year. Right. What, I'm, what I'm saying is is the, the, the one of the attorneys there who defends a lot of these people says there's no such thing as a plea bargain because you can't say, well, my guy robbed this place, but you know uh, he had a gun, but he didn't use it. He's never used it. By the way, how about we plead guilty in four years? You can't do that because the minimums are are 20. And, and so the whole thing gets bogged down where every single person goes to trial and says, well, hell, I'm not, I'm not pleading guilty and getting 20 years. Hell, I, I might as well roll, roll the dice for that. So so what I'm saying, Lou, is you, you combine all these things together. And I said, okay, what, so what's the minimum if somebody gets arrested? If they're denied bail, what's the minimum time before they go to trial? And he goes, year and a half. And I said, okay, how many people are convicted? He goes, I don't know, maybe 50%. So we're going to have 
all these people spending a year and a half in jail because they can't get a speedy. I'm not saying what's right or wrong. I'm saying what I'm saying is it, 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 it when you combine all this stuff together, it's like a big goat bleep. You know, you, you can't just say okay, my guy was there. It's his first robbery. He had a you know. Well, well, how about we do four and just clean this one up? Can't do that. So if you combine how long it takes to get a trial, you know the fact. I mean, it, it, if you combine all this stuff together, even though it might have been all well-meaning, in the end, it's a big mess. Well, and, and that's, uh, I mean, you, you see an analogous, there's that word again, situation on, on our border policy. Yeah. Where, where little bitty snips of well-meaning statutes come together to form, a, 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 you know, this malodorous mass of, of law. That, that effectively means we have to separate children from their parents the minute they cross the border. It, it, you know, it causes all kinds of, of havoc, and this is a similar situation. There's nobody... The things we hire politicians to do, i.e., pass intelligent laws that benefit you know, society as a whole, are not getting done because they're too complicated you know, what, what needs to happen in Chicago, like with the tax code, is somebody needs to sit down and talk to Bob and say, here's where the criminal falls apart. Here's where it makes sense. Here's where, you know, we can do this. But the problem, the problem is, I mean, it's like the, it's like the, what you would call it, the bill that, that the retired, the two retired senators, one from Montana, tried to put the, to put together... <laughs> Oh, uh, the two, the two uh, hatchet faced. <laughs> a couple, a couple, you know, what, two, two decades ago, where they said, "Here's how you're gonna, we're going to revise our, our funding and budgeting process comprehensively. We're going to gore everybody's ox." Was it uh, in this process? Was the two old hatchet faced guys? Was it, was it Simpson Bowles? Simpson Bowles, yeah. And 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 nobody, nobody wanted to buy into that. Nobody was willing to buy into it. And, oh, you and remember uh, who was the tall guy, the real gaunt-looking guy? That was Simpson from Wyoming. He had the, the world's greatest line. He said, "If this bill doesn't piss you off, you either haven't read it, or we did we forgot about you." <laughs> it, it's not exactly right, but, but it was it was designed to greatly speed up the process for budgeting and, and revenue collection, and and get everybody in you know under one umbrella where where if you pushed a button over here. You could clearly see the impact over there, but it also it, it went further than that. It also looked at some programs that have been there for fifty years and never done anything. It just said, oh no, it did, it did all that. It yeah, it did all it, that. It all that up. I mean, and, and and as I said, he gored he gored pretty much everybody's ox with 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 the thing. But it, you know, nobody nobody was willing to make any sacrifice, and and it, with respect to the criminal code. If you, if you, I don't think there'd be intellectual firepower in in Chicago government to to sit down and comprehensively rewrite something like that. Well, why why but, is it? I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, there needs to be. I'm saying is it's not working. Actually, we have a question from one of a, our guys asking about why was this law even put up there? Was it because of the mob stuff? No, it's been it's been percolating forever. That the idea the idea of of cash bail for people who don't have money is kind of a you know it's pretty easy to find. Well, I don't know if you find just necessarily guys like Andrew making a doing a, a carjack. You probably don't, but if you did, you know. I don't know. He sounds he sounds kind of he sounds kind just when I talked to him on the phone. He's kind of kind of slippery, doesn't he? Just a little slippery. Yeah, a little sketchy. But I, I guess well, here's one question for you: How many? 
if Illinois does not have cash bailed, how, does that leave 49 states and the federal government that do? Obviously, Bankman Freed is out on cash bail. That's a federal charge, right? Yeah, well, there, there are there are all kinds of places where they they've talked about eliminating cash bail or have effectively eliminated it. Los Angeles don't they don't they don't use it for very much in Los Angeles by now. And Minneapolis, I think, has, has eliminated a lot of it. This is these, uh, this was part of the movement of the George Soros backed district attorney push of about ten years ago that resulted in people like Kim Fox being being put in well, her job. It's funny, I, you know. First of all, you should have been there last night because it was a very interesting discussion with a small enough group where I could actually, actually ask, as they say on the South Side, some of these questions. I, I said, you know, here, here's the, the view, and I said, I'm going to talk about tomorrow. My, my buddy Lou, I said, I wish he was here. I actually mentioned your name. So, you know, I don't, if you look at a, a guy like Soros, and I, and I have no idea what the guy thinks about him, but, but if I was somewhere offshore, I would look at the U.S. and I would say, wow, these bleeps have, have more people incarcerated than virtually every other country in the world combined, yet they have the highest crime rate. Obviously, it appears that the, 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 the system they're using, this incarceration system, is not working um, on, 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 a, on, a, on a very grand scale. Maybe people get in jail, all they do is meet even guys worse than them and learn more from them and come yeah, out with more. We had, when we, when we ramped up our incarceration efforts, under under the broken windows theory in New York and applied in other places, and in the early nineties, our crime rates fell dramatically. I, I, I I'm with you on that, now, but with the people I was with, I said, okay, now he he may be right about that. That the whole idea of slapping people in with other bad guys for for ten years when you're nineteen years old is not a whatever. We're not in jail for nothing, chief. I, my, my next statement is going to be. Still, somebody who robs robs a store, you want the guy in jail. So, how do you how do you reconcile the t- the two? That that you know you have so many people there, and you can't say you know that it's obviously. I I I think I know what it is. I mean, I have a feeling I know what it is, and it was not it's not because I'm smart at this, but the, the sheriff before Elrod was on is Republican. Dart, Dart. No, before before Dart, it was a long time ago, and he said, you know. When, when people come into county jail, 60% of them can read at a high school level when they leave. And he goes, they have no, no chance of holding the job. When they leave, they, they read at a high school level, and they have no chance of holding the job. Why, why do we not expect them to not be back next week? In and, and some other states, Nevada being one of them, has a huge uh, education and technical training center in the jail. But the idea is when somebody does spend their 10 years here, they're not coming back. And I... And everybody says we can't afford that. I think you can't afford not to do it. Lou. I mean, the idea is to send somebody out where they're they're capable. Of, not not everybody's. I don't even know what percentage would be, but say half the people are in jail because you know life life dealt them a bad thing and they did something bad. Not that they shouldn't be there, but the idea. I don't know that all of them. There's gonna be some percentage in there that are just the bad people. No matter what you do with them, they're gonna be. They're just bad people. Sort of my philosophy on this. A huge number of the people in jail that are in jail for violent crimes are irredeemable in the sense that they cannot be rehabilitated. I'm, at least I'm with you. I don't not the, at this age. I don't know about the percentage, but I agree with you. There's there's a significant percentage. Not because necessarily because they are horrific people, but because they have been raised in horrific circumstances with no hope and crime is what they know. And criminals are who they are, are going to associate with when they get out, and this is what they do. I'm with and you. These guys, these guys are 
you know, by the time these guys hit junior high school, you, you they're gone. Right. You're, you're not. You're not going. You're not going to save them. <clears throat> you're not going to save them until maybe they're in their fifties, and and whatever whatever stupid, you know, judgment issues that that they they never developed have, have started to come into play. That that that's one aspect of this. The second aspect of this, from my perspective, in my opinion, is rather than trying to educate these people in jail, we should be getting them into some kind of program in schools that try to cut this stuff off. And 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 we are we have cultural issues on this, but but I will tell you, and and you and I have talked about this. We Chicago has program right now that effectively guarantee kids will graduate from high school and give them the wherewithal to establish themselves either in college or or in a in a professional setting. And that's the J. Rotsey programs that Chicago but I think there's the three or four of the high schools. Those J. Rotsey programs are the most effective way or they were when I was there, the most effective way of getting people out of gangs, away from crime, and into a productive setting within the school that effectively pipelines them to either college or the military or at least some other kind of job because that instills in those kids the basic stuff that used to be just matter of fact, i.e. showing up on time, showing up properly attired, Knowing how to talk to people effectively, knowing how to comport yourself in a in a civil society, and that kind of system, for better or worse, is I think it may not be the only option, but it certainly is the best option for so many. So how come it's only how come it's only four schools? Program. How come it's only four schools? Because a significant percentage of the Chicago Teachers Union believe that this is pipelining children into the military the military industrial complex and and it's directed at minorities to keep minorities you know as cannon fodder it they, they believe that the goals of the military are inimical uh to uh you know, well, the, well, the, well, you know, the minority population. I want to change subjects here for a second. Only they knew how much critical race theory has moved into the military uh, in a mainstream way. But but there's an anti-military bias within the education establishment, and it's significant. I would, uh, Lou, you know, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of this college ball. We only have a few minutes, but I, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm very pro-union normally. I, I, I think this teacher's union's got to go. I think teacher's unions across the country should be gone. Um, I don't, I'm not. A, I'm not a, at all a fan. Uh, one of my heroes, Roosevelt, was the same way. He he, he didn't mind unions, but he didn't like uh, public unions. Anyway, uh, Matty Weber talked about this kid. Uh, you've probably heard the case, even in in Denver. Five star recruit out of Iowa, uh, left tackle, I guess, or the lineman of some kind, and he's been going to go to Iowa like forever. All of a sudden, like the last day, you get some allegedly rumor has it huge deal out of Alabama, and the parents said, "For that kind of money, you're going to Alabama," and off he went. Or off yep. he's going to go. How is is college football going to fall by this? I mean, I know people right now that said, "I want no part of watching these games now." This, this is nuts. Uh, this isn't college football. I don't know what it is, but it's. I mean, is this? Are they, yeah, are, I think, I think uh, you and I, I. I go back to what 
we talked about years ago when I said you're going to end up with four 16-team super conferences, 64 teams, that that are going to play in four of these conferences, and, and they will play the National Football Championship, and everybody else will play to go to a bowl game. But, but the rest, I mean, I'm sorry, Navy, which plays Notre Dame every year, is not going to be able to compete with a fighting Irish program that can pay its players. Well, I don't know if you've been been listening, but I've been arguing with virtually the world, <laughs> my world, uh, my guys from Notre Dame, everybody who's on the show pretty much has said, it's, all, it's the same thing that's always happened. It's just now out in the open. And I absolutely cannot disagree more, Lou. This is, uh, no, it's this not, is it's totally not different. It's always happened. It, there, have been, there have always been chaos, but, but it's, this, is, this is a completely different kind of animal. And we're talking about companies. We're talking about taxes. We're talking about profits. We're talking professional, about this is professional football. We've 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 set up a second professional football league. Well, but, but in, in, in actuality, not just in in you know sort of under the table payment style. Well, there's a big difference between me paying some kid from Notre Dame, which I would never do, a little extra to be an intern in the summer back when the kids had a summer, or me shoving five hundred hours at somebody because he could so he could buy a suit coat and buy pizzas, at, and all of a sudden paying somebody. You know, three hundred thousand bucks out of some LLC that the that the school doesn't even control, and have to pay, give the kid a ten ninety nine or decide who's the employee. By the way, th- that thing you sent me last week, real quick, what what judge said that these guys are employees? No, nobody seems to know that, but you. Oh, that was uh, I think that was an NLRB uh, ruling, and 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 I mean, uh, you we talked about this when uh, when it first happened with the Northwestern guys trying to unionize. And, and and I said, if this goes through, you're going to see some real some real problems. Oh, and, and how come that wasn't NLRB, the NLRB, which is very pro union? I mean, this is the first step. If we declare these guys to be employees, they can then be unionized. How co- how could how come nobody that was that national news? What you sent me? I guess then we got to go. I, I'm sorry. Say again. Why? Why was that thing you sent me about they are employees, not national news? Or was that not recent or something? I, I, I know it was within the last month. That's why I sent it to you. I, I, I just this is, this is the way things are going. It's an NLRB. It's an NL, NLRB judge release, so it's not a federal court. Okay. It's a, it's a federal labor court. But, but I mean that's the first step on the slippery slope. All right, but hey, happy New Year. Uh, Go out, don't shovel too much, even though it's got to be light snow in Denver, they say. Yeah, it's pretty heavy right now. SP fever's up 16. The trees. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I'll be gone in a couple days. SP up 16. NASDAQ fever's up 69. We're going to try and hang in there. Lou, happy New Year and talk at you next week, buddy. Happy uh, New Year, John. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. 
That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call. 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Money. Get away. Get Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom and we're on the board. SP futures up 1650. Nasdaq futures up 67. So far, we're hanging in there. Last two days, we've hung in there right to about the last 15 minutes of the show. And it, uh, hopefully not today. Do we have Mr. Dan? Yes. Mr. Dan, how are you, buddy? Doing good. How about you? Doing all right. I just want to uh, thank you for a very nice 2022 with with you on the air. You've helped, I think, a lot of people. You've educated me, and we have uh, people. And then, for those that don't know, Dan's doing some business with us that the firms that I do business with and has done a hell of a job there and just his in, uh, his advice to some of uh, my other clients has worked out very well so thank you bud and happy new year and happy new year to you too and you, you dodged a hurricane you've had, a, you've had a big year you know just saying yeah I mean it's, it, it has been a big year and um, you know reviewing performance uh, this year we're quite pleased that we uh, were able to uh, preserve capital in a year when both stocks and bonds, and especially tech stocks, were down. And I, I think my uh, client base is quite happy that they, I think this year they even understand, you know, when you have Bitcoin down 65% and Tesla down 65% and, and um, Meta uh, down 66% and even Amazon down 50, more than 50%, and they haven't had a change or they might be up 1% or 2% or down a few percent, um, so this has been a good year for us, and this is when my style really shines because it's income focused and it's capital preservation focused, and and as yours is very you know uh, capital preservation focused. These are good years for us. So I'm uh, you know on a relative basis in the institutional world, we uh, we actually really shine because institutions tend to really mark you against a benchmark, but 
But, um, yeah, overall, a, a good year for performance for us, and, uh, you know, quite pleased with that. We, uh, in the protective program, we've had um, a relatively very good year. Uh, it's, it's still not winning. <laughs> it's a, we've, uh, we are somewhere between even and minus maybe 7%, depending on, maybe 6%, depending on the, in the indices people were in, because some of them did a lot worse than the others. Uh, S&P people, I think, are probably up. A few people, you know, it was kind of no saving that totally. Uh, I mean, even yeah. even if you're protected, you're not you're not negative delta. You're still you know long sum even if you have the puts. Uh, so everybody still has you know 95 percent of their nest egg. So you know we we saved just about every arrow in the quiver except for maybe one. Uh, yeah, that's, and the, the, that's the, terrific. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, so we're, we definitely have a and some of the stuff that we got involved in some of the people who were in the metals actually had a, you know made money this year so uh at least well, the last two months we've done real well in there so it's it's a mixed bag you know i, I was going to ask, ask you dan because you're my market consigliere i i'm wondering i mean this was it's there's no such thing as a as a bad strategy it's just a bad time to use it right <laughs> i mean yeah. i mean this this was the year for either being protected like your stuff or or being being in the protected index program, because the market's basically flat on its ass, and and you and I are, are okay. Now, in a year when the market was going to be up thirty percent, I don't know that you necessarily want to be a protected program. But how does anybody know that? I was just wondering. There, there's a strategy that people used to use a real lot that hasn't been used in God a long time, and uh, and uh, because we've done nothing but go straight up, and then a couple of years we've gone straight down. So it's not been. We've had this kind of weirdo volatility, basically brought upon by changes, abrupt changes, abrupt huge changes in Fed policy, which is, I think you'll agree with me on that. Now, whether whether they were right or wrong in doing it, it's another. The fact is, the market's been yanked around. I mean, we went ten years with them, you know, money supply grow, you know, eight percent when it should have been two, so we just crept up every year over year. Then we shot up. Then we shot down. I mean, the the the, the temper taper tantrum. We shot down. Then we shot back up. But there is a strategy where it's somewhat conservative. It's not protected. Uh, you ever, you, I'm sure you've heard. Have you ever heard of a covered straddle, right? Yes. And I, it, there are times when the market, and it, we've had in my lifetime, there's been you know eight, ten years where the market's done nothing but kind of go sideways. Uh, I, I'm wondering if we might be going to enter one of those stages again here, Dan, to a certain extent. I don't think there'll be totally flat, but what what that says is if you want to. Uh, you know, buy you know a thousand shares of pick a number, pick telephone. You're going to say, okay, the stock's trading eighteen twenty four, but I'm I'm not going to buy a thousand. I'm only going to buy five hundred. I'm putting up the money for all thousand, right? So I can, so I really could buy the other five hundred. But now I'm going to sell a covered call, and I'm I'm going to sell a a cash uh, protected put. Uh, and so I'm I'm going to take in this premium, which now you can do every week. You know, it used to be or every day in the index for God's sake. Uh, you used to be able to do once a month. You used to be able to do once a quarter, right? And then say, okay, if if I were to sell those, I'm taking in some money. And if the stock goes rocketing down below the put price, I'm going to have to buy the other 500 shares. But I have the money to do it. So say I sell a 16 put, okay, and I get 50 cents for it. Okay, well my, my actual cost then is going to be 15.50 for the other 500 shares. It's still not going to be good for me if it goes to 5, right, or 10 or 2 or 0, but I'm still a little bit better off than if I bought it all on day one. But if, if the market stays relatively flat over a, uh, an extended period, 
I'm going to be taking in a real lot of premium. And it, and it actually it does force me, sort of. If it goes down, I'm a buyer. If it goes up, I'm a seller because I've sold a covered call. It actually gets me into the buy low, sell high routine. Now, clearly, you didn't want to do that in Amazon when it was 140 because now it's 80. You didn't want to do it when it was 120. But if it gets to a spot where it's going to stay there for a while, don't ever don't ask me then what that spot is. That's therein lies the rub. Uh, I but I mean at some point here, I don't know that you want to be fully balls out long, or you really want to be totally protected either. We're going to reach a level to maybe we're we're just there and going to be there for a while. And now the, and I've, I know the one the only advice I give, only advice I give on the show, is that. Make sure you're you're trading next year's market, not last year's market. Because right. Yeah. It's very good. It's very good advice. It's the only. And I do. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I've talked too much. Go ahead. I do. I do agree with you on on the fact that we're approaching more of a a flattening. In fact, um, one observation that's happened just over the past week is the yield curve is flattened, and that means that this the difference in the yield on the ten uh, the two year and the ten year is down to 48 basis points. It was as high as 80. So what does that mean when the yield curve is flat or it becomes flatter? That generally means that the bond market looking out a year or 18 months is looking for, um, you know, rather than being inverted, when it when it flattens out, it means that the, the chance of having more economic um, disasters, uncertainties, recessions, all that is less likely. So in the near term, I think I agree with you. I think things are going to remain relatively flat. And as the yield curve flattens out, it's those smart bond investors that are that are saying, um, "Yeah, you know, things. There is going to be a period here that could continue to be volatile into the new year, but over time, we're going to start reaching equilibrium." So there's a few different things. I mean, the easiest one to understand is the stock market. It's gone down so much. But remember, it was overvalued to yep. such a huge degree, especially the tech names that we just talked about, but also the housing market. And I think that's one that listeners probably will understand better. That market was greatly overvalued, and probably even more so if you live here in Florida or in the Northeast or in California. Like, if you live on the coast, you could just see this crazy overvaluation, and it's still going on here. I mean, it, it hasn't changed here, despite what they're telling you on the news. We're still seeing prices go up here. So... So I guess the point is that there's a certain point that we reach where we have this affordability issue in the housing market and in the bond market, where, I mean, in the stock market, where we have people saying, do I really want to be paying these valuations? Everything is clearly overvalued. And we have to get back to equilibrium. So rates, you know, it, it did all there. I, I'd say they did the predominant, you know, the largest amount of the rate increases already came. We might see 25 basis points in... February, unless we see much higher inflation, I think inflation is stabilizing. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to see prices coming down rapidly, but I think we're going to see a stabilization, which gives people, you're kind of at a new price point in inflation, whether it be for goods or services, and now you're expecting, you know, you used to pay in three bucks for eggs or three and a half bucks where you're only paying, you know, a buck or two a year ago. So there's, there's, I think there's that you get used to this new equilibrium level, and I kind of agree with what I think you're saying is that we're gonna the same thing is going to happen in the equity market. The good news for us as investors is now suddenly with all these rate increases, you're getting four seventy five, four and three quarters on a one year risk free U.S. Treasury bill rate, 
And that makes some of us Bond people kind of excited because now we can finally, after all these years of watching rates come down, we can finally get some, some yield. And it's a decent investment. I would recommend people hold that one year, or if you even want to go shorter, the five months is giving you about 465 right now. So if you buy it June 1st or May 25th, Treasury bill, you're getting 465. But if you get 475 in a one year, I mean, Goldman Sachs right now has a has a one year CD at 430. Doesn't make sense when you can get more than that in a one year Treasury bill. But always have that as part of your portfolio. That that's your your liquidity because you can sell them any day of the week. That's also your. It's going to give you some. It's going to help preserve your capital. Uh, and again, you know, you can add some of the the corporate names because now we're getting more yield on corporate bonds as well. Dan, and the, uh, again, because, because rates have gone up. Dan, the Goldman Sachs broker picked me off too many times on the floor. I got to go with the government on this one. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, uh, there you go. But, um, but anyways, the, uh, you know, add a couple of those names that we talked about: ADT, OMF. OMF um, has a March bond that's giving you six and a half percent. I'll be all. I'm over that <laughs> all day long. Six and a half percent for a money good bond that matures in three months. So you can add some of these names, SEC, we talked about, and get 7% there, money good bond that matures in June. What's that, so F- some F- of the things oh, we was talked F- about in some one? of the others. Yes? What was that one, FT? F- the one you just mentioned, F-something-something? Something? Oh, OMF. OMF, and then one, was the one, one, what was the one, one F- main F- financial, and then ADT, ABC, the security okay. system, you're getting about 6% there. SVC, which is services, Corp, that's the REIT um, that's paying 7%. SBC? SVC. SVC. And, okay. we talk, and we've also talked about AFSI, um, which is a, a property casualty insurance uh, carrier that has a bond that um, is going to give you 8%. And we've talked about a few others. We've talked about BPL, which is Buckeye Partners. Um, these are all bonds that mature within the next year. Pitney Bowes is another name that we've talked about. They have a March 2024 bond that right now you're going to get close to 7% on. So these are a few higher quality, high yield names that are going to end up getting you anywhere from 6 to 8 or 9%. And add those to your portfolio along with the, the T-bill, the one-year T-bill. And you're, you know, you're going to average, depending on your allocation, you're going to average more than 6%, you know, maybe 7%. Um, and then you can throw in a few, uh, which is what we're doing. I'm kind of giving you away, giving away some of our strategy here, but some of these names that we've mentioned recently, some of the small and even micro-cap names that are actually paying dividends. And I keep going back to DRD Gold. That, that, I, that I have a bunch of, but I, I'm going to say in the smaller, that, that we have a bunch of. In the smaller names, though, I'd rather, to be honest with you, I'd rather have you do it. Because you know this stuff better than I do. I don't want to, you know. Absolutely, and these and these are the companies that we're meeting with. Um, you know, where it really does make a difference to talk directly to management. And you know, Genie was another one, and and Motive uh, is another one as well. That the preferred stocks there. And you know, we've talked about uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. It still, you know, has a nine uh, more than a ten percent dividend yield. Still a money good company. Um, so there's. There are ways of adding yield, and it's kind of exciting for, like I said, a bond manager or someone who has an income strategy 
to now finally be paying something that's, in many cases, more attractive than what you're getting in your dividend yields on the equity side, but much more attractive in terms of looking at the lower volatility that you'll see if you're concerned about what's happening in the near term. So there's, you know, it's a good time to um, lock in some of the shield and to, you know, continue to watch the equity market for opportunities. But, um, you know, I think as you're saying, I think we're going to sit here for a little while into the to the first of the year. I don't think we're going to see any major run-up. I do think we're going to see a little bit of a run-up in the short term because most of the tax loss selling is done for this year. So I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be surprised if we see just, you know, a small increase. And and once people get back, I think, you know, from, from the holiday, I think there's going to be a little bit of a rally as well because um, the, the focus is going to be more on, okay, now people are looking at the fact that inflation has come down a bit. Um, Fed is less likely to, to be raising rates at this, you know, what, in the way they, the manner that they did in 2022, we'll probably see 25 basis points in February, but that might be it for a while. I think so it's they be may it for a while. also just be on hold for the rest of the year. I think so it's yeah, going be... into the year, this is the you know this, this would be I think a strategy that w- would be helpful. Are you, you, you by, by what you're talking about? You give me like three questions here, okay? First one is uh, how much of the yield curve? I mean, I, I I have come to this conclusion. I don't know if I'm the only one. Who, when you're at times of real high interest rates, like back in the 70s and 80s, or real low interest rates, I'm not so sure the, the yield curve shape makes anywhere near as much difference as it does when it's in a, quote, normal range. But, but having said that, how much of the flattening of the yield curve, say where the 10 years has, have come up, is just somewhat common sense that even if these guys ever get back to a 2% inflation, I don't think they ever were there in the first place, to be honest with you, and I don't see them ever getting back there. But if, if they did, the stupidity, I mean, you and I have never once, in the whole time we've been on, have said you should give somebody your money for less than the inflation rate for 10 years. I mean, you're out of your friggin' mind. I mean, somewhere along the line, that the 10-year, even if even if the rate goes, if you, even if you believe, I believe, that it's a 2% rate of inflation, you've got no business giving your money to anybody for less than 4.5 or 5. I would agree. So... I mean, how much Absolutely. of it? Absolutely. But you know, here, here's a, here's a question for you, as my my counselor. Uh, when you see these stocks, you know, the Amazons and the Tesla. Tesla, you know, I, I I always thought that thing was a house of cards with all the money they get from other people. But that's another story. But how do you? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me explain to you what happened to me and uh, you and the listeners. What happened back in 2000 when uh, <clears throat> we had a, a big client? <clears throat> well, he ended up being not be so big, but he was a huge client. He came in <clears throat> and he got. He retired from Oracle. Okay, so he gets this huge chunk of or, or Oracle stock. You know, seven figures, into the seven figures, pretty good. The stock's like 65 bucks. So he had heard me speak at a bunch of places, and he said, okay, I want to protect this. But we're, you know, we're, we're together in this conversation. All right, the next question is, okay, how much do you want to protect it? Uh, well, he, did, he forgot to tell me that it was ordinary income to him at that level, and that if it, if it went down... Uh, that was going to be capital loss, and where he couldn't match it up against the, anyway, he was, where he was in a world of hurt. Or I would have said, "Look, the thing's sixty-five hours. We're buying the sixty-five puts, and we're hanging on to them no matter where it goes," which would really have been the strategy. But that's not what he—that's not what he wanted. He said, "Well, I really love the stock. Why don't we buy, you know, some sixty puts or fifty-fives or something like that? Because they're only five hours in those days. So, say we bought the sixties, and the stock runs down to fifty. 
So now he's down 15 bucks on the stack. And we paid, you know, two and a half bucks for the puts, so we're up 750 on the puts. So, all right, so he's down 15, we made seven and a half back. Not great, but better than 15. And he says, well, you know, it's down to 50, we probably, other than the world coming to an end, <coughs> it's not going any lower, let's buy like the 45s. Well, now it goes to 50, or to 40. So he's down another 10 bucks on the stack, and we pick up maybe $4 on this. So now he's down, whatever, $25, and we're up 10. So we're helping, but we're not, you know, it's, and all of a sudden the stack ended up going to like 15. And when it got to 25, he goes, oh, we don't need any more puts. It's never going any lower than 25. The stack was just 65. And, of course, it went to 15. So how do you, I mean, I, even me, who doesn't even like any of these stacks, like Meta or or uh, Amazon or these places, I mean, I don't have as much problem with Amazon as I do Meta and, and Tesla. Tesla. I, at some point, even I'm saying, man, you know, this Tesla 118 doesn't look like i got to buy as many puts as I did at 350. But it doesn't mean, you know, I have no way of knowing if the thing's not going to be 70 or 80. I mean, your, your instincts tend to work against you a little bit here, Dan, is what I'm saying. You, you have, I mean, you don't, if it does go to 50, which I'm not predicting, I don't want to give up the other 68 bucks for a client either. And yet, really loading up at puts after the thing's down 70% is not, you know, it's not exactly in your DNA either. So it's, I'm in, I'm in kind of a rack, rack place here. Help me out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that we've seen a lot of the, it's kind of, we've kind of seen two things on, on both sides. One is I think we've seen a lot of the sell-off in, in stocks already this year. I think there's certain names that are specific, have specific issues like Tesla because I think there's issues going on there with maybe um, competition from other, other um, you know, auto, uh, you know, manufacturers. There can also be some issues going on with, with Musk's attention being focused you know, away and the fact that he's been selling us to invest in other businesses. Um, and the same thing with Meta. I think there's a certain thing about Meta that, you know, you've got th- these new platforms that have come on place, these social media platforms that are seem to be replacing Meta. Um, there's some other issues that, are, that have gone on there as well. So, but if you take the market as a whole, which is down, you know, 21%, NASDAQ down 35% for the year, I would say that we had a fair amount of the loss is already there. And as a result, um, you know, you may be able to, you know, on your uh, in your strategy. I'm not exactly sure, but I would say you'd have to be a little. You probably could be a little less focused on those, you know, protecting the bottom side and, and allow for a little bit more of the upside um, in the coming year. Um, I do think it's going to be somewhat of a flat year, um, as we were talking. And I think the focus for us is really going to be on to, to maximize the income. Um, while remaining conservative, in other words, protect capital and then maximize income, which is which is always our strategy. But I think it's going to perform quite well in the year ahead. So yeah, we're at a we're at a I think a transition point here. I think investors have finally investor sentiment is finally starting to shift. Realize that we're coming into an equilibrium period. I mean, all this you know this overvaluation, the you know in the equity market, this you know this. Way you know this incredible low valuation in the housing market. I think the financial markets need to come back into an equilibrium where investors will feel confident again and start buying. And what I mean by the investors would be people like you and me who are long-term yeah. investors. Well, I think they. So but if I had, if I had to split my my bad thoughts from my good thoughts, I think what you're saying is true. But w- w- I think I'm going to expand on what you just said a little bit. I think if you have uh, and, and I'm I'm not I'm not pushing it at all. I mean I don't. Say you have 
a caterpillar for whatever or or whatever it is or or, or dow or someplace uh some uh, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm not pushing towards manufacturing or anything like that but if a, if a price reaches a number where you say hey it's 50 bucks and it looks like these guys are making you know five eight dollars a year and are sending out somewhat of a dividend I'm going to buy this thing because I, th- I think it's okay here. Even even if it, it may go to, to 45 or 48 or 40, I'm still happy with this thing, like you say, going forward. But the, the, the trap you don't want to get into, and it's really hard not to, even for, for saying, well, the stock was 80. <laughs> the people who paid 80 must have known something, and now it's 40. It has to be a buy. No, it doesn't. I mean, if, if you can't... No, exactly. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I totally yeah. agree with you there. So you just have to, you have to kind of have more of a reason to think it's a bottom here than just, God, it's down a bunch. <laughs> it must be a buy, because that may not be the case. I, I totally agree with you, and I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that that we know that only from our experience of all these years that that, that isn't the case. And sometimes people can, you know, it's not it's not our job to fall in love with a particular stock. No, I mean, it's no. our job to manage money and to, and to find those, Companies, those stocks, and those bonds that we believe are going to have the best outperformance in the you know in the period going forward. We're always looking forward to see how it's going to they're going to perform. But I but I totally agree with you that doesn't mean and that's you know I'd probably throw Tesla in that group, Meta, um, Bitcoin because I'm not sure what the future of Bitcoin is either. But but there are names you know Disney might be one of them um, you know that that do have a little more future that have had pretty good sell-offs this year. I, I can't talk about all the larger names because that's not the, our primary focus. But when the market as a whole has fallen, that's the time that you want to look look at the market and see the names that have fallen in sympathy with the other names. And the names that have fallen in sympathy, make sure they have good free cash flow, <laughs> really important, uh, positive free cash flow, that is. Um, that's really important. And, and um, also companies that have been sort of overlooked, um, maybe because of the you know the size, if it's a you know a smaller or micro cap name, or just because they're not the high flyers that are advertised on you know the CNBCs and Bloomberg's every day. So look at some of those names that have just come down in sympathy because the whole market. I would down. agree. Well, because when you go, if somebody sells the futures down and you and I are doing the ARB, we're selling every stack. Well, not every stack, but yes, right. and at five hundred, we don't care what it is. Hey, quick question for you: We have three minutes. Maybe we can go over a minute or so. Uh, Regarding um, a collision, we talk a lot, as you know, the stocks and jacks. I don't really talk to you much about the, the stocks or the jacks part, but I'm going to make an exception here. There seems to be, if you look at every man, um, I, I see people with kind of less disposable income and blah, blah, blah going forward. And yet, you mentioned Disney, and that's what perked my ears up here. You look at the ESPNs of the world in those places, even though they, they've had some trouble, it appears, with their growth, Everybody's con- when I say everybody, the numbers are convinced that there is no top. It's only the sky when it comes to this sports stuff. I mean, these these schools now, people seem to be willing to pay you know hundreds of thousands for a f- football player in college. For God's sake, it looks like baseball, even though they have declining, you know, people coming to the park. Twenty five million a year seems to be the number for anybody good now in arbitration, or not arbitration, a free agency. Are, are they? Are they got a? To- are, is somebody buying? Is this sports world? Are they? Are they are, first of all, are they ever in danger of buying the top? And if they are, are we getting there? Because it look, sure looks to me like I'm not paying a hundred bucks to go see these idiots. I mean, I, you know, and I probably can afford it too, but I'm still not doing it. I mean, are, are, are they seeing a different world than I'm seeing, or what? 
No, I actually think it's consistent with the other with the other markets we're talking about. You know, in that that there is a point where you're you're paying. I mean, my sister, for example, got Bruins tickets for her son. You know, my nephew gave my sister some Bruins tickets, and and I said that's a really generous gift. You know, and I was saying from from her younger son, I said that's a really generous gift, and and the fact that they're able to get that price for tickets, as you're saying, um, whereas you know when we we were younger, you, you know, even ten years ago, you wouldn't have expected to pay that much. Just sort of shows that sort of acceleration, if you will, in the in the sports world. And I agree with you. I 100 percent agree with you that there is, you know, kind of like the names in the stock market that we we're talking about. There is a hype, and you know, when there's a hype, people are going to pay more, and uh, people sort of want to be where the action is. So I, 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 you know, I think it it holds for the sports world as well. Um, there is a. Um, you know the same kind of sentiment. Um, you know that there's uh, you know ticket costs more, but there's more value to it to the to the individual um, you know fan that that's making the purchase. And in terms of what they're paying athletes, you know it's the same thing. They have to pay more to be competitive. Kind of like companies having to pay more to be company um, to be competitive to get the best talent. So it's it's uh, it is a trend, and I think it only gets um, reversed when people's mindsets. Start changing, and and I think, like I said, with the financial markets as well as the sports world, things will come back into equilibrium. I mean, I think the sports world also a lot of it has to do with who's who's on top, who's doing the best. Yeah. But likewise, it's the same thing in the in the um, equity market. You know, the names that are, have done well in the past. It's kind of interesting, you know, the analogy that we draw in here because we're talking about names that have done in the past. You know, there was a time when Facebook did well. And now it's out of favor, and and you know they don't have a good team. So yeah. whether it be you know pick your pick your team in the professional sports world, I don't want to name any, but there are sort of several that we all know of that have kind of fallen out of favor. Maybe don't have the same kind of talent they've had years ago, but in, you know maybe initially there'll still be an interest, right? Because people well, have the fans and the loyal fans. But then once the loyal fans realize, hey, you know, this isn't or the average fan, let's say, realizes, hey. These guys aren't going anywhere this year. Maybe their attention gets focused elsewhere, or maybe they're not willing to pay for that high price ticket. Well, that, you're, you're tired of seeing their team lose. Without, so. knowing, without even knowing it, you're talking about our Blackhawks, the highest ticket prices and the worst team ever. Hey, uh, Dan, <laughs> thank you for a good 2022. We're going to have a thank happy you. new year, and uh, we're going to do even more business together. And uh, take care of yourself. SP Futures up 17. Nasdaq Futures up 73. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow Andrew on the board. This is the key half hour here because we've made it to 7.30 every day this week. With the market up and then it collapsed, but now it looks like it's going actually going up further, so that's good. SP futures up 22, NASDAQ futures up 91, Dow futures up 104. Over in Europe, we've got um, slow here. DAX up 46.3 percent, FTSE down 12.2 percent, CAC around up 14.2, so mostly moderately up over there. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 246.1 percent, Hang Seng down 157.8 percent, Shanghai down 14.4 percent as they if somewhat of a very weirdo COVID policy over there. And now we're going to have people take a test in the last two days coming from China. I don't know how that's going to help. Why would we believe a Chinese test? And by the way, you can't catch it in the two days while you're on the plane with other people. And whatever. Uh, I'm not going to go into that. Yesterday, whack, whack. Dow down 365, 1.1%. S&P down 46, 1.2. NASDAQ down 140, 1.4%. Hopefully a little bit of rally. The last couple of days, the week has been awful so far. Uh, bonds. Down one basis point, 386. The bond uh, was over 250. We just gave it a minute ago, but now it's down two basis points to a 2.49. Japan uh, up one to 0.46. We've got oil at 86 cents, 78.10. Brent down 83 cents, 82.43. Natural gas down five cents, 4.63. Almost as, as low as it was at the beginning of the year. With all this stuff going on with the Ukraine and cutting gas off the Europe, gas is like almost the same price it was at the beginning of the year after after trading well over 10 bucks a couple times. Arbob down one cent, two thirty-four. We've got gold down only ninety cents now, eighteen fourteen. Silver up twenty-nine cents, twenty-four twelve. That's the one that a lot of people think is going to outperform gold this year. I don't know. I, I've read that. I've heard that. I think Dan Janitas believes that as well. But uh, and today they're right. Uh, copper down two cents, three eighty-two. We've got Bitcoin up forty-five bucks at sixteen thousand six thirty-eight. You got the U.S. dollar still fairly steady here. It's actually down a little bit, but. Euro is 106, and 
the uh, British Pound is 120, so they've been right around there really now for a few weeks. Andrew, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, uh, not very much changing at all since the uh, last update. Uh, starting off with sports, tonight the Cowboys play the Titans at 7.15 p.m. And last night the Suns lost against the Wizards, uh, playing 127-102. to And last night the Bulls won over the Bucks, 119-113. to Tonight the Blackhawks are going to play the Blues at 7 p.m. Chicago time. And the Maple Leafs are going to play the Coyotes at 8 p.m. Chicago time. Now over to weather in Chicago, it is currently cloudy at 47 degrees. You're going to have a high of 53 today. And in Phoenix, weather is clear, also at 47 degrees, and they're going to have a high of 61. Uh, finally, for Chicago traffic, still nearly all in the green today. Expressways are looking good. Um, just same as before, Taylor Street in the middle of the loop, uh, but Taylor Street between Dan Ryan and Jefferson Street is closed due to uh, an accident involving a semi-truck. So that's all I got. Um, Taylor Street is somewhat near the loop. What is... I'm gonna have to. I'm, gonna, I'm trying not to embarrass you, Andrew. What exactly is the loop? Well, I guess I consider the. I should have said downtown. Yeah, that's what I should have said. It's actually not even really downtown, but it's close. Yeah, I get the map isn't too detailed here. What I'm looking at, so. Yes. <laughs> the loop is inside the L loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can even see it now. Yeah, it's definitely because we're not technically in the loop right now because we're half a block away from the L. Oh, okay. Because I would consider this the loop, but well, it's it's yeah. the downtown area, but it's not the, the harsh definition is the there is a uh, elevated structure that actually goes around the loop, hence the name the loop, and uh, well, it, it forms a loop, and inside that is the loop. Although I'd say a few blocks outside of it is still the loop as well, like you say. Yeah, we'll have Mr. Flanagan answer that because he's our Chicago historian. If you're half a block outside the loop, John, are you in the loop? Yeah, technically not, Tom. You know, and there were loops before the loop elevated, the, you know, the cable car loops, but they were not, they didn't define the business district. They would go downtown, like the Cottage Grove bus still goes downtown, the number four bus, and it loops around the old Chicago Public Library at Garland Court, and that's how they would keep the same cable going in the same direction in a loop, and it had to have some turnaround place downtown. So there were loops all over downtown, but as a district, it really didn't mean anything until the loop elevator was was finished in 1897. So, yeah, that's, you're absolutely right on that. You know? well, you're, you're technically not in the loop there, Tom. No, we're just... We're nor am I. Right? Nor, nor are you. It's, a, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just one of those things. Uh, <laughs> Janet, we've talked about uh, like a whole bunch of... We've had more varied, varied subjects this year than I can think any year I can remember with the... Uh, all the stuff going on business, this this place, other places. We had a war to discuss, which we don't want to do that any m- many more years, but it's still going on. Um, and it all kind of, some of it, the story is the same story. I was listening earlier about the the, the way that the Illinois State Legislature has, has fixated several laws now that are coming together. We're dealing with, uh, you know, crime people, seemingly like it's it's unsolvable. Because they have, they all, they're all pulling each other. All the laws are all pulling each other apart. There's no, is there any common sense anywhere with this stuff? No, I, you know, the, it was really interesting hearing you and Lou talk about that today, and, and I bet the discussion you had last night was, you know, equally or more, even more interesting, just in what you could hear about what's going on and what what the criminal justice system is up against and what it is trying to combat. But you know, we have such a but my vantage point on this is so different from you know 
the, the schools had an easy job compared to what they have now. This is this is kind of one of my few times to stick up for the teachers, but they had students whose home life was was more draconian and more heavily supervised than any kid's life today, probably. And the the teachers could reinforce what the kids were expected to already know and, and respect from their homes, um, and you'd get far more deeply in trouble with your parents for what you did in school than even maybe with the teacher or your disciplinarian there. So, you know, that, that worked in, in favor of teachers who already had pretty decent material to work with. Now you've got kids who have been raised in gang culture, the yeah, children yeah. of gang members, the children of incarcerated parents who don't have any family life, as I understood the term, and I don't know how I would fare without that kind of control in my life. And you've got schools that have become nothing more than kind of extensions of the Department of Corrections. They're there to warehouse people. They, they can't teach them any better than the prisons can teach people a, a trade when they get out. And getting out of school is equivalent to just getting out of one level of prison, in a sense, or minimal supervision without having learned anything valuable enough to make you a productive family member or head of a family or anything else. And, you know, all the solutions here about, you know, making sure that people are treated fairly by the police and everything else are, are all well and good. But it isn't like these people have, have any kind of incentive to behave in an orderly way or no, yeah, it's, to it's, it's live within a family structure that they've ne- never known. You know, they've never appreciated it. So where does that come from? It doesn't come from the criminal justice system, certainly. Well, I would... Uh I would, you know, it, not to mention uh, the amount of people that are on prescribed medications. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is off the chart. I mean, uh, it's. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, the nuns, like you say. I mean, they, all all it took was a call home in those days, and for the teachers, in just about every case. I mean, uh, uh, certainly in the area I grew up in, it was that's that's what the deal was. But the nuns had we had forty two to forty five people in a class. Yeah, and there was always somebody. <laughs> Some some years maybe me you know that you know sitting on your behind for three hours at age ten is not a good not a hard it's a hard thing to do uh, it's it's hard now <laughs> it's, but it was certainly but I mean there was always you know a couple kids that you used to say had ants in their pants and they couldn't wait to get up and and clean the erasers because they were tired of sitting down that kind of thing um, but you didn't anybody who was like that you just didn't drug them I mean. I, 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 one of the teachers, one of Audrey's friends, had a birthday party, and one of her friends was a teacher. And I, of course, am, you know, t- I use the term talking to her, picking her brain. And uh, the, uh, you know, the 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 idea of uh, she says, you know, these kids, if if they take their drugs, they're asleep on the desk. If they don't, they're bouncing off the wall. You know, and you have the question of, are they drugged? Aren't they drugged? You can tell when they walk in whether they. Because once you're on the stuff, and then, then of course, the kids who don't need it and just thinking it's a high start stealing it from the kids who have it, and it's it, it's something we never even had to begin. So, yeah, I'm going to be a little, I, uh, I'm going to be a little gentler when I talk about you know the teachers, but uh, versus the but the union, I still think is a is a problem, um, and I, I I don't know why I, I think it, it shouldn't be, but somehow it is, and it's not an arm's length transaction. I mean, you know you. You vote the people in office. You're a political force. So, the idea of, you know, if, if General Motors goes on strike, it's basically an internal fight between who gets what percentage of the profit—the white collar people or the blue collar people—and it, and that's a fight that that that's somewhat of a fair fight, uh, Jan. I mean, uh, it, it's a fight nonetheless, and, and not something you want to see happen. But by and large, that's 
ne- neither side wants the place to go under, and they both know the other side needs a little something. It's a question of where you land, right? I agree. Uh, and, you know, if, if the unions hadn't been so strongly aligned as they become with doing the absolute least amount of work yeah. while they're in the classroom, I probably wouldn't feel so bitter about how this has all played out. But the way it, it, you can see it, you know, working out in the lockdowns where I mean, the, the teachers look for every possible excuse to force the CDC to close everything down because they didn't want the teachers to be endangered or have yeah. their health endangered or whatever crazy reason you know, that the teachers shouldn't be in the classroom. But, but look at how that really made it far more difficult for teachers in subsequent years to get anything done because they'd missed instruction time and building respect and everything else in a classroom situation, they're not going to get that back with the students who missed out on it. I, th- I think those students are, are somewhat retarded in their performance for the rest of their lives. But, but the union will not take any kind of responsibility for that, but they drove the policy, and they didn't have to, Tom. I mean, if they were really interested in giving them the most to their students, they wouldn't have taken that position. It was all about giving the least to their students. And that's what just for us means. Well, I don't... This, the difference in... Uh yeah, and I'm sure if you have a, a teacher today, you're not going to accuse anybody to not be dedicated because you got to be dedicated to have that job. Uh, but I'm going to say that it, you know, th- this this was a, a part of the world though that was, you know, essentially it was an Irish Catholic ghetto. You know, I mean, basically. So how many people, how many parts of the world were like that? Uh, St. John Fisher. I mean, you had. I'm going to say, maybe one day a year, a teacher who was deathly ill didn't show up. You know. And, and guess what? The principal taught class that day, which he didn't want. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, which, which was a, a step down if you were a student, because then you really didn't want to piss off the principal, right? Uh, so, it, you know, I, now, I mean, my, when my sister-in-law, this is a long time ago, when her kids were young, and they're not young anymore, um, she was a sub-teacher. Every year she could count on uh, being called in the week that they used to, they used to be like a sex ed week, Right. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I have no idea what the curriculum is now, but there was a week where you supposedly emphasized for that week such sex education in like seventh and eighth grade or something. Teachers would inevitably want that week off because they didn't want to do that, and they'd, they'd bring her in for the week. So like it's the hardest week for whatever reason, and she's there, and she's a sub, and they know she's a sub, and after like two years of this, she goes, screw this. <laughs> and then she said I, I, a few kids were so bad that she did the unthinkable in our day, she called home and uh, said, well, either there was no answer, you got an answering machine, or you got the boyfriend who said, what are you calling me for? I'm trying to get some sleep. She's at work, that kind of thing. Uh, and she doesn't care. Just deal with it and slam the phone down at you. Uh, the world has been changing for a while. I mean, it's, it's been, in, uh, and, it, and you're right, somehow or another, and uh, our, our buddy just wrote in and said, you know, the Somehow or another, the, the, the way the welfare system was set up, somehow, I mean, I, and I, don't, I don't know exactly how it's set up, I'm not an expert on it, but somehow or another, John, it, the, 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 the repercussions were that it drove families apart, not together, um, from a monetary way of doing it. And I don't, not sure exactly how that all worked out during the 50s and 60s, but it surely did, and it, and it has not, that was the, was not intended to do that, but that's been the effect. It's been known to be the effect for 30 years, and yet I haven't seen much in the way it changes. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I don't understand how. Like my mother used to say, if people took care of their own kids, we wouldn't have any problems. You know, 
basically, and there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, but right now, people in, in our in our our systems to help families out. I mean, they're really designed. If you had a thousand people, well, a hundred thousand people, you know, one family, and unco- unfortunately, is going to have somebody's going to get cancer, somebody's going to be in a car accident. There's going to be kids that need help that don't have family around, and maybe you know they don't have an extended family. There's going to be people that need help, and I think society is designed, or is designed itself, where if it's ten kids out of a hundred thousand, we can deal with it. If it's ten thousand kids out of a hundred thousand, we got a problem. Because we don't, and I, and I mean, you have whole areas here that have, uh, that have, you know, there, there isn't a father around for God's sake, or not very many, and you don't know who the hell the guy is, and clearly he's not at home, and the mother's maybe got the new boyfriend, or she's on drugs, or who knows what it is. I mean, you know, and it's you look at all this stuff, John. And at the end of the year, you do this, and last night we were talking a little bit about the border stuff, and I said, okay, two things. One is you don't want people pouring over the border. Would, just would un- totally uncontrolled. I mean, nobody wants that. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. But you also have to get the idea that if somebody walks a thousand miles to get here, things got to be pretty crappy at home. You could pack your family up with what you can carry on your back and walk. I mean, it's it's got to be pretty bad. And I think everybody also knows. I mean, at this table, there were a few people. I said, you know, everybody also knows that if if this group right here, if somebody gave us some money and said, by the way, you've got a thousand of these people or five hundred of these people to deal with. Chicago right now could easily handle two hundred thousand new people. I mean, not not coming in here, you know, with the, with the shirt on their back. But I said we we could get we could take three hundred of these people, buy one of these old schools with shower facilities and classrooms and kitchen facilities. I'm going to say we'll buy a few of the houses on a few blocks around. These people will be willing workers. We'll have those places livable inside of two or three months, and I'll guarantee you that in in two years we have a community. That people will want to live in. We we know that to be the case, and there's nothing but room here. To say that Chicago can't handle five thousand people, we lost one hundred twenty thousand last month. For God's sake, how can we? I mean, how can we not handle five? But but that's that. So there's three specific issues. We're sending money to places that are so screwed up that people are leaving anyway and coming here. So you got to wonder why the hell we're sending them money. Uh, who's getting it? We also got a problem on the border because people are piling over. We don't want that. We want it, if we let people in, we want it more organized. We want an Ellis Island kind of situation. And by the way, do we have room for them? Yeah, we do. Akron's got room for them. Decatur's got room for them. And, and I got to believe that, that if you tell me there's a guy who walks a thousand miles with his family to get here, I don't think the guy's going to have a problem going to work the next morning, do you? No. The only thing I would add, though, Tom, is that so many of these people, I think, are already enslaved by people that they're indebted to well, that's, for that's whatever a, yeah. promises have been made to get these people to the border yep. and over it. There's big money that's changing hands. You can't say exactly who's you know, paying it and who's benefiting from it, but a lot of these people come here already enslaved to you know, a work ethic that you and I would never sit still for. But to people coming from a completely benighted background, it looks pretty good. But that we don't want to... to encourage or enable that kind of immigration to, to get people here under you know extortionate situations well, I, I, I where agree. somebody is profiting from somebody else's servitude. Well, our, our whether it's the people of Washington profiting or anybody else, I think that, that needs to be addressed too because that's amplified what would otherwise be probably not such a tough situation. We wouldn't have to worry so much about drug running and you know enslavement, sexual enslavement, whatever. As issues with connected with the border, but that's clear, 
clearly what we need to be concerned about. And it, you, nobody seems to be willing to separate no. any of that out and say, here's why immigration on this scale is bad, because here's what's fueling it, and that's bad, and here's what's good about it, and we want to make sure that these people get a fair crack at citizenship. But, but we've so devalued citizenship, oh, yeah. why would we well, expect anybody to take that route when there's so many... You know, many easier routes to take where citizenship never even gets on the table. Well, it's it's it to me, John. It's it's the exact same topic we talk about all the time. It when I say the topic, nobody thinks it through. What was we yep. talking about last night at the table? Okay, you got these gun laws that are they're dr- draconian. You know, I'm not saying people should ever rob anybody with a gun, but if you do, and and, and nobody gets hurt, twenty years minimum seems a little much. And by the way, the workaround is going to bring some juvenile with you to hold the gun, which is exactly what's happening. Right. So, right. so there needs to be at every level here on that conversation, say, okay, these three things are working. By the way, they're all working against each other. Now, on the other side, immigration, same thing. Let's get 10 Republicans, 10 Democrats, tackle them, throw them in the helicopter, bring them to Camp David for a week. Don't give them any booze or any food until they talk to each other and say, okay, we now got this problem. We're sending money to these places that appear to be stealing it. They're not helping their people because the people are coming here anyway. And oh, by the way, they're here on the border, and, and we got this massive horde of people we don't know what to deal with. Or we got that problem. Oh, and oh, by the way, we got a bunch of room in a lot of places. A lot of these people could find a nice home, and by the way, we could use the labor. So somewhere among these three things, I think we can have a, can somewhat of a solution. And I think we have to have the courage, Jan, to come up with a solution and after a year, it's not working so well, just amend it. Come up with a decision, try it, and if it doesn't work, amend it. Look look for, say, okay, if we do this, this is what the bad things might happen, these are the good things. By the way, if the bad things start to happen, you know, let's do it. It's, it's almost like trading. This, this position looks good, let's put it on, but if after a couple of days it looks so good, let's fix it. I mean, it, this is not, somehow or another, we've lost this entire ability to do this. And I, I don't know quite why. I mean, it, well, as an example, Tom, like what you and Lou were talking about earlier about the lack of you know historic knowledge, you know, awareness of anybody's place in history. I don't know if you saw recently that Biden signed uh, an executive order ordering the removal of a bust of Chief Justice Roger Taney from the Capitol to be replaced by a bust of Thurgood Marshall, the first you know African American Supreme Court justice. Um, and, you know, a unanimous act, you know, in Congress to do this because Tawney was the author of the reviled Dred Scott decision of 1857 that denied U.S. citizenship to blacks and, you know, overturned the Missouri Compromise. It, it, it set up, you know, what, what became the Civil War pretty much. But lost in all of this, in this, you know, drive to strike a blow against anti-bigotry, Tawney was the first Catholic on the Supreme Court. At a time when Catholics were really reviled in 1836, and it, Andrew Jackson appointed him, and he took a lot of flag for that. And Tawney served with distinction for you know 28 years, I think, on the court. And you know himself he, he used to attend mass and go to confession at the Black Church in Washington D.C., which was segregated even by the Diocese of Washington. So he did not personally you know, disdain blacks or hate them, but he's taken the hit for having authored. A Supreme Court decision that's, you know, history has just turned its back. And I, I think. But, but it was a 7 2 decision, Tom. Nobody thinks about, well, how did this decision come to be? And who was Tawny? And before we start erasing them from history, maybe we should look at the Roe versus Wade as an equally bad decision because 
Dred Scott was just as badly decided, not not just for its racial implications, but as uh, an attempt to legislate something which had, the court had no power to do, just as bad. But will we, you know, will we, you know, enshrine those chief justices? Alito will he have his bust removed someday? Because all this stuff is just anti-historical to me, and it doesn't improve our knowledge of our past. It makes us, you know, amnesiac. So I, I think we're we're all kind of beholden to forces I would that are say, Jan, erasing our past instead of respecting it. Everybody who has education in the history of the world, knowledge, you know, I'm not going to put myself equal to you guys, but every everybody should realize that both of those busts need to be there with all, Absolutely, the, with all, with all the truth regarding both. It's a teaching moment, yes. because life is more complex than Biden or you know people who erect and tear down statues want it to be. The history is never so white. Here, here's a, here's a person that probably was a good person, made a bad call, didn't appear to personally feel that way, but still made a bad call in the times. And here's and here how it was a bad call. By the way, here's somebody who's now black who was on the Supreme Court and did a great job. How we've overcome that, and here's where we are today. That's exactly. that's that, that's the message. Well, I don't I don't understand why we're going to erase these people. I don't. You know, you know, you know who was good at that was Stalin. Well, hey, you see, what's you know, Berensky or you know, somebody got on the wrong side of Stalin, they just would have all the people go into the library and tear those pages out of the he had encyclopedias and substitute something close to the alphabet. Oh, yeah, it, it was way more than that. <laughs> Kathy Durbin, remember? I don't know, you don't know if you listen to the show, and Kathy was still on a fray. Kathy had a had a thing. I, I love Kathy. What a great lady. Uh, um, she started working all these wacky hours for the bank. Couldn't come on the show anymore, but um, we still talk and. uh she, she, somehow or another, she was a, uh, one of her real interests was this Stalin thing. And I think she told us on the air one day there was 175, 200 people. The best photographers and the best artists around were, were, were in on this. Or, say, for instance, Andrew messed up one day. We not only would get rid of Andrew, we'd say he never existed. He'd be, he'd be off every page of Stacks and Jacks. If there was his picture there, we'd, she sends me a picture of these these cutthroat Russian guys standing on this bridge, right? And there's a guy, there's Stalin, and there's a guy next to him, right next to the rail of the bridge, you know, the river's underneath. So all of a sudden, the next picture comes, the guy's gone, and Stalin's now, like, over on the rail. <laughs> it was done perfectly. Uh, I actually have a, oh God, you know what, this works up a weird story. I have a friend who married this lady, and evidently her, her first marriage didn't go so well, and the guy turned out to be, whatever, a real bleep. Well, there's a huge family picture where he was in the picture, like some New Year's or Christmas, some something. They got him rubbed out of the picture. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's a they knew about Photoshop <laughs> long before we did. There was like there was like dad and the lady and the guy, and then the, you know, the next daughter, her husband. All of a sudden, it's it's the guy and the lady and her sister. The guy's gone. <laughs> they, they knew about photo, but it took a real a real like uh, artist to do it in those days. <laughs> and of course, we, that, that looks idiotic to us, but we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. thing. Yeah, we're doing the same damn thing. You know, and it's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not exactly going to say Biden is, is equal to Stalin. I'm not going to go down that road. But, but he's, 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 fall, he's fallen prey to the same mentality, and everybody in Congress behind him, you know, would prefer Tawny's name is never spoken again. Well, I, I think we do, not only Tawny, but we do the, the future a great disrespect by not caring about where well, we're going. Oh, without a doubt. From. Well, yeah, also, I mean, we talked a little real quick because we got a dash. Is um, all these these companies are are doing the the bidding of the government, which happens to be, you know, going down some kind of you know weirdo road in some ways. But but also, 
it, once their practice is doing that, are we going to end up with a guy with a, a, a toothbrush mustache hop in there and, and turn the thing all around and go the other way? I mean, what, once you get used to doing what the government wants you to do, uh, <clears throat> I'm not so sure you don't listen to anybody. You, you, just because it's money. Just saying. Anyway, John, Happy New Year. It's great having you on this year. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Kevin's going to be on. If you want to pile in for a few minutes, I think Mike Murphy might pile in for a few minutes tomorrow. It'll be kind of fun to have, since we have all the phones working. To have, That'll be a great way to see out the, the year, Tom. Yeah. Happy 2022, 20, 20, 2023 in any event, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to get on tomorrow. Well, uh, we'll either uh, you guys can gang up on me or I can salt all three at one time. Okay. <laughs> SP Futures up 20. I'll, I'll play fair, Tom, I promise. <laughs> SP Futures up 28. Nasdaq Futures up 114. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1 800 821 4968.